This is Lex Talk League of Legends, and today's episode is on uh, the 2023 MSI, uh, following the tournament which just finished today. So I'm basically just going to review these teams in the reverse order of placement, and get into you know their performances. I'm not going to spend too much time on the weaker teams. I'm going to spend a lot more time on the good teams, uh, and then you know this is probably going to be a multi-parter, so be ready for that. So let's get rolling. First up here, we have Golden Guardians. This is the team that I felt was the weakest team in the bracket stage. Although I wouldn't really call anything that they did an underperformance. I kind of figured that they would be the worst team in the bracket stage anyway. So it's not something that is surprising. It's not something that anybody should be shocked by. This team was realistically a team that wasn't even expected to make the finals of their own region, which is the weakest region. Um, ultimately, I, I kind of thought that they performed better than I would have expected. They took a game off BLG, and, you know, they didn't completely stink. Licorice outperformed my expectations. I thought he'd be the worst player in the bracket stage, so... He wasn't... A good player, but he performed better than I thought. Um, the rest of the team, you know, they, they did surprisingly well, I would say. Um, ultimately, you know, they were the weakest team coming in. Didn't really think that they had much chance of doing anything else. Um, they got blasted by their domestic rival in Cloud9. And, and really, this is just kind of the expectation that we had going in. So, all in all, you know, it's not the worst performance by Golden Guardians. They were kind of a team that was lucky to be there to begin with. So I wouldn't call it a disappointment, but, you know, when you have low expectations and you match them, there's not really, like, a lot to take away from that. Uh, next up, we have Mad Lions. Mad Lions, I think that, for me, they match my low expectations for them. I didn't really expect them to do much. But ultimately, I would say that if you're a European fan, you probably should be disappointed. This is the number one team from Europe, at least from the standings and the qualification and the playoff results. This is the reigning LEC champion. And as reigning LEC champion, there are certain expectations. And I would say that this is one of the most disappointing first place teams ever to come out of the LEC, as far as an MSI performance. Obviously, we can look back at the 2016 G2 for probably the worst performance by a European champion. But this is probably the second worst one. Uh, Mad Lions was not remotely competitive internationally. Um, Chasey in particular had the lowest KDA, I believe, of any player in the bracket stage. I think it was 0.7. It was a joke. He, he was terrible. Um, now, to be fair to him, he is an import rookie. So I didn't really expect much. I mean, you're playing the region that you were imported from. You're playing world-class players and you're a rookie. I mean, I don't have super high expectations for you. But ultimately, this is a poor showing from a European champion. Right, uh, There was really no high points. They were dominated, you know, in one of the most one-sided losses in, L in MSI history with a 16-minute stomp against T1. Uh, and ultimately, they just showed that they didn't belong there, particularly when they were absolutely dismantled by G2, who was a domestic rival they beat in their own run to even qualify for the tournament. So I would say, you know, pretty, pretty big failure. Overall, this is kind of where I expected them to place because I didn't think of them as being a legitimate contender at all. But 
as the LEC number one seed, at the very least, I think you're expected to beat out your domestic rivals, and even then they were completely stomped by G2, so they didn't even really get that. Uh, ultimately, a historically poor performance by the reigning European champions. Now, next up, we're just going to look at Cloud9. Cloud9, the reigning North American champion. Again, kind of similar boat to Mad Lions. I don't really think this team had much shot anyway. I wouldn't really call it a disappointment because they already had pretty low expectations. This is kind of where I expected them to be, to be honest. Um, my main takeaway from this really was that, you know, Berserker is a legitimate superstar. Right? That's one, one thing to take away. Um, Berserker competed at an extremely high level against elite world-class competition. I think that that's the biggest takeaway, right? I mean, ultimately, a player like MNS, who has probably 20 games under his belt, never really had a shot here. But, um, you know, it's a good takeaway. It's a good thing to just have a star player at that level. Um, I fully expect Berserker to be the MVP of the summer split as well. He seems to be quite clearly the best player in North America. Uh, he's definitely a world-class AD carry. You know, the future's quite bright for this guy. This is his sophomore season, and he's competing with, you know, world-class AD carries and performing up to the level against them. So, other than that, though, really, I mean, I don't think that Fudge was a competitive top laner. I didn't think that Blabber was particularly good. He was okay. I mean, he's the greatest North American jungler ever, so, I mean, you're probably supposed to do better than okay, but he was all right. Zven was all right. MNS was all right, I guess. Um, Berserker was really the only bright spot for the team, though. Uh, going forward, you know, I kind of expect to see the same kind of thing from him in future tournaments as well. Um, but really, when your team is kind of outclassed every other position, it does make it kind of challenging. We're just not simply in a world anymore where, um, like, a North American team is going to find much success. Where we have the extra LPL and LCK teams at MSI and Worlds, I think going forward we're not going to see very many strong results from Western teams in general. And in particular, I don't think the North American teams are going to find themselves being competitive almost at all. Next up we have G2. I think G2 kind of, you know, I think they exceeded expectations. Now again, I had low expectations for every Western team, and they kind of lived up to them, but... G2 is probably the only Western team that I felt actually exceeded my expectations um, to, to a reasonable degree. I mean, Golden Guardians was better than I thought, but that's because I thought they wouldn't win a game and I thought they'd get clapped every single match. Uh, as far as G2 went, you know, uh, I was pretty impressed by Yike. I think that he's a really strong rookie jungler. He's really developing quickly. Um, you know, I thought that maybe his domestic results could be an aberration. Sometimes you see these rookies who have great stats, but... Turns out they only play two champions and they get exposed internationally. I thought that Yike performed at a pretty high level internationally here. That was pretty exciting. Probably the biggest bright spot on G2. Uh, ultimately, though, G2 is just another example of these Western teams not really having much, you know, of an ability to compete with the Eastern teams at this point in time. Uh, this is a far cry from the 2019-2020 G2 rosters, or, you know, 2018 Fnatic, 2012 Moscow 5, 2015 Fnatic. Like, those, those teams were good. Those teams could compete internationally. This is not a roster that can compete internationally. Um, I think that they performed above expectations, but I just didn't really have much hope for them in general. Uh, I don't really know where the Caps of old has gone. Maybe he just doesn't have that in him anymore. 
in a couple of decent games, but, you know, unless they have, like, super caps and, you know, Mickey popping off, uh, Yike developing, you know, getting twice as good and becoming, like, a legitimate world-world-class jungler who can beat anybody. I mean, unless all those things happen, I, I don't really see much going to go well for the European teams. Uh, but it was exciting for them. I mean, they dominated their domestic rivals in Mad Lions. Uh, they took a game off BLG and Gen.G. Uh, so they did have some hope. You know, there were some things they did well. They were clearly the best Western team. Uh, they did exceed my expectations, but if this is the best that Europe has to offer, I think that it's going to be back to the drawing board. Uh, and again, just like I said with Cloud9, I mean, these Western teams are really going to have a tough time now that the LPL and LCK have more teams in the tournament because now you're not going to get these easy semifinals where you play another Western team or some weird matchup, right? Um, now it's it's just to even get out of groups at Worlds or just to even make the quarterfinals in MSI, you're going to need to be a very legitimately strong team. And I, if they're going to bring rosters like this, I don't really think they're going to have much of a shot. But that's enough about the West. Let's get into the good teams now. All right, the first Eastern team that we're going to be discussing is, of course, the current LCK champions, Gen G. Uh, I must say this is quite a disappointing tournament for them. Now, as this is the most stacked MSI ever, Obviously, we're going to see some results that are a little bit shocking, but as the reigning defending LCK champions, you're really just supposed to, you're supposed to make the finals. It just is what it is. If you don't at least make the finals and make it a competitive final, um, you know, it's a complete failure. If you don't win MSI, it's a failure anyway. But if you don't even make the finals and compete and don't get 3-0'd, um, it's an utter failure. So this case, you know, fourth place team for the reigning MS or for the reigning LCK champion, that's just simply embarrassing, right? This is you know probably the most disappointing performance of any of the teams. Uh, you know, kind of back to the drawing board here. Uh, Chovy was you know world class this tournament, but that performance against BLG was incredibly underwhelming. Um. Uh, Delight was outplayed by On against BLG. You know, the team looked pretty bad against T1. They almost got 3-0'd. Very few bright spots here. Um, you know, they, they're still a very strong team. I expect them to be competitive in the LCK. I expect them to be competitive at Worlds in the next several months. But at the end of the day, this is just a huge disappointment for a team that was the team that I picked to win the tournament. Now, I picked them for the same reason that, you know... I looked at the old RNG teams, right? Uh, it's not that they were the most mechanically str strong team, just that they're the team that, you know, seem to have the best sense of how to play the game, how to play the map. And you know what? At MSI, they were not that team. I saw them get consistently outplayed around the map. I thought that T1 had a better macro understanding than Gen.G at this tournament. I felt that you could really feel the lack of roster strength, um, you know, Doran just wasn't a competitive top laner relative to Zayas, 369, and Bin. Uh, Delight was outclassed by the other supports. Um, Pays is a rookie. I don't really hold it too much against him. Um, I think that he performed extremely well for a rookie, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're playing against the best AD carries in the world. I, it's it's going to be tough, right? Chovy was a little bit of a disappointment at this tournament. You know, I... 
I don't really like to put the, the choking label on guys who perform well but lose. Um, in this case, you know, I, I do think it was a bit of a choke against BLG. I thought that was a good performance. The 3-2 defeat against T1, I mean, you saw that whole thing where he bought the, the stopwatch and then used it to defend the base to save the game and end up taking it all the way to game five. I mean, you could see how good Chovy was in the T1 series. Um, so I'm not going to say that Chovy was a complete choker here. Uh, it was a very disappointing tournament for him overall, but, I mean, he, there were still moments where you, you did see, like, okay, this guy's one of the best mid laners we've ever seen, right? He, he did have his lane kingdom moments. He did have some, some flashes of brilliance. It wasn't the Chovy that we got to see in the LCK playoffs. And, you know, ultimately, I think that when you're at the level that this guy is, it's the same thing with the, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's, the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan's of the world. At the end of the day, when you're at that level, anything but winning is, is very disappointing. It is. So I would say that, you know, being the number one seed in the LCK, Coming into MSI, you've got to at least make the finals, and they did not do that. They lost their domestic rival, and they were thoroughly embarrassed by BLG. Uh, so I would I would give this probably the worst rating of any of the teams because they were the one that probably failed their expectations the most, right? Like really, this is a complete failure for for this team because they had high expectations going in. Again, I would say it, you know they were co-favorites in T1, Gen G, JDG. For most analysts, I think it was probably something like. 25% win chance of MSI for each of those three teams, and then the other 25% would be probably half of that is BLG. So maybe maybe 15%, 20% is BLG, and the other 5 to 10% is all of the other teams combined. Right? I mean, really, Gen G just had to do better. Uh, next up is T1. Another disappointment, not to the extent that Gen G was. I mean, T1 did get that Game 5 victory over Gen G, and they played a very competitive, you know, entertaining, exciting series against JDG. Now, if the format had not changed, and if it was, you know, if there were no losers bracket, we might be talking about T1 as being right there with JDG and the second best team in the world and clear cut above. Other teams, you know, extremely strong. You know, they almost got them, but maybe they you know, they choked the game five, and that's the narrative. Uh, however, we had the losers bracket run, and guess what? The narrative changed. And this is why I like having the the losers bracket. I like having the lower bracket to play back into form and have a chance because it told a totally different story. Had there been no lower bracket, we would have left the tournament thinking T1 was the second best team in the world. We would have left the tournament thinking that, you know, Gen G might be third. They're really, really close with T1, who is really, really close with Gen JDG. You know, maybe it's a rock, paper, scissors thing. Maybe Gen G can beat JDG. I think that's probably the way people would have left it if, if the winner's bracket was the whole tournament. And you know what? That would have been a very exciting MSI final had that been the final. And it would have been the final in any other year, but it wasn't this year. Because this year we had a lower bracket, and this lower bracket really kind of changed the entire narrative of the tournament. And for T1, you've got to do better. Uh, this, this particular core of five players has, as far as I'm aware, the best winning record ever in the regular season for any five-man core in all of League of Legends history. In regions that actually are competitive. 
So, I mean, I'm not going to talk about some like Taiwanese or Vietnamese roster that goes 18 and zero because ultimately those teams aren't very good for a team that plays in a major region. Like these guys have been unbelievably dominant in the regular seasons. They've made the finals of everything. It's their first time missing the finals as a five man roster. And to go out in the lower bracket like that, um, ultimately they, you know, they lost to a very game BLG. I wouldn't want to overthink it too much. I think that upsets happen, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, the the 16 and 0 Patriots when they lost in the Super Bowl against the Giants. Yeah, it's cool that you guys got to go 18 and 1. You're one of the best teams ever, but guess what? You were supposed to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be a huge disappointment to not win the Super Bowl. It's the same thing here. This is a legendary team. This is a team that with a couple of game 5 wins will be remembered as the greatest team to ever play League of Legends. And instead, what they're remembered as so far, unless they change the narrative, is a team of super talented players who are front runners that can dominate regular seasons, who can dominate across the board when, you know, they have a very large sample size and law of averages if you're really talented and you have your stuff together. I mean, you can win a lot of games, but they're a team that's remembered as a bunch of chokers who have had multiple international disappointments and who have had, you know, pretty bad playoff results relative to their actual standing. I mean, how many 15-3 and three teams get slapped in the finals? How many 17-1 how many and one teams get slapped in the finals? How many 18-0 and 0 teams go to MSI and get manhandled? Well, not manhandled, but like lose in the finals. I mean, this is a team that's had a lot of letdowns. They're a very good team. They're one of the best cores ever. But at the end of the day, this is going to go down as a huge disappointment. I mean, you can really point to players like Caria. Caria was outplayed by On in the, you know, in the third place match. In the lower bracket final, um, where was the two-time reigning MVP of the LCK? Where was that guy? That's supposed to be the best player in the world. So, you know, did Caria have a terrible tournament? No, he had a great tournament if he was anybody except Caria. If he was anybody but Caria, this is a great tournament to have. You know, you make third place at MSI, the most stacked MSI ever. You're an elite uh, support player. You're one of the best players in the world. But it, the expectations have to be higher than that. He's the only support player to ever win a domestic MVP in the LPL or the LCK, and he did it twice. He He's supposed to be the best support player of all time. Where was this guy? He's When we watched the, the uh, 2022 World Finals... I left that thinking, okay, Kerry is the best support I've ever seen, even though his team lost. You know, I watched Worlds, 2022 Worlds, Kerry was the best support I've ever seen. Um, him, him or Mata, the best tournament that I've ever seen is, you know, the only other performance I've ever seen at that high level was when Mata won Worlds in 2014, and that's it. So, you know, Kerry, even in losses, you can look amazing. I didn't, I didn't really see that this tournament. Uh, you know, they weren't off the number one seed. You know, they beat Gen G. They, they got to place higher than their domestic rivals. That's a small, small win for them. But ultimately, um, with this MSI format, they were gifted an opportunity, despite not being the number one seed, they were gifted the opportunity to make it to MSI anyway and compete for international gold. And they didn't. They, you know, really let themselves down against BLG. Uh, and that's it. That's all it was. Right. Ultimately, at the end of the day, T1 has to live with that. Uh, Genji has to live with that. This is 
you know, both LCK teams, I think it's unfortunate for them that there has only ever been one all-LPL international final, and you're going to be remembered as the LCK teams who let that happen. So huge disappointment for the LCK uh, top two. Now let's get into the LPL teams. So... Next up is BLG. Now, this is where we changed kind of the tone a little bit because BLG had an incredible run. They exceeded expectations. Now, they did get totally dismantled in the finals against JDG. They did have, you know, a really good one game, though. Game two, that was pretty exciting. But BLG, they were kind of the story of the tournament. I think that a lot of these guys, you know, they were really good breakout players. Uh, I think that most people... Uh, you know, most people who are just a casual fan have never heard of Shun, Elk, or On. I think a lot of people have probably heard of Bin and Yagao, but uh, really, this whole team showed up. They, you know, massively exceeded expectations. Uh, I think that Tabe has to be one of the best coaches of all time. At this point, he's been associated with so many great LPL teams that have had international success that, you know, it's starting to really show. I think that Bin, once again, had a great international tournament um, when it mattered, right? Um, he, he's still such a weird 50-50 guy that it's so hard to love this guy, just like it is with the Shy, where he's got these incredible performances, and then two weeks later, you watch this guy completely murder himself in lane and, I don't know, suicide against the enemy team and go 0-6, and you're like, oh, okay, so that level of aggression does occasionally mess things up, right? And we even saw that in the tournament. You know, he had a couple of games where he completely dominated lane. You know, he was like 50 CS ahead of 369 in a couple of these games. Uh, maybe not 50, but a lot. And then, you know, he had a couple of games in the tournament where he just completely fed. He had pretty poor performances. He overextends. But really, I mean, you have to look at this guy and just say, wow, this, you know, he's got crazy mechanics. Um, I love the trash talk. I love the, uh, the prophesizing of the tournament calling the 3-0, calling the 3-1. That's super exciting. So I love players like this guy. Uh, once again, you know, this is his third international major final. Uh, he made, you know, he has the only pentakill in world's history in the finals. Uh, you know, so he made the world's finals. He's won MSI before. And, you know, he made the MSI finals again. So this guy, he's on his third international finals. He's had a really great career overall. Um, so despite the 50-50 performances, I think that a lot of the carry performances kind of speak for themselves, and he had a great tournament. Uh, Shun is another player where this guy really stuck out. I think that he played on quite a few bad teams. So like I watched him in the LPL. I thought he was really good the last couple of years. Uh, he just played on pretty bad teams, so it never really mattered. Uh, in this tournament, I think that he really showed that he's a standout player. I was exciting to see this guy, you know, make it to a major finals. I don't really have as much to say as Ben because he didn't have all these weird up and downs. But I think that Shun really, really proved himself in this tournament. Uh, Yagao, again, he continues to prove doubters wrong, including myself. I have always been somebody who's been a bit, a bit, little bit low on Yagao. Uh, mostly because I'm high on players like Knight. So I just, I look at these two players and I think, wow, the gap between these guys is ridiculous. How could anybody think he's that good? But... You know, Yagao, again, continues to prove doubters wrong. Beating out Faker, beating out Chovy. Uh, had some good run uh, performances in the lower bracket. Uh, this guy, 
really good player overall, and I think he's had a lot more success than anybody really would would expect based on kind of the level of play that he's had. Um, so, you know, shout out to him. Uh, Elk, though, is probably the real real story of BLG as far as I'm concerned. I think that he was by far the best player on the team. Um, as much as I thought that Bin was exciting and Shin was good and Yaga was good, I think that Elk was really carrying the legacy of Chinese AD carries at MSI. Um, it, it felt like they had Uzi out there. Now, I don't even think he was AD carry of the tournament just because Ruler was so incredible, but Elk really looked at me amazing. Uh, his performances against T1, his performances against Gen G, um, how he even played just in the finals, even against Ruler, I mean, he looked great. Elk had an incredible tournament. Uh, I would say probably the breakout player of the tournament because even though he has been LPL second team AD carry twice now, I think that most casual fans, especially people who don't really watch the LPL religiously, you know, even actually just not religiously, I mean, really, if you watch the LPL at all, you probably know Elk's good, but the most casual fans don't really watch the LPL and don't know who this guy is. And I think this is a big breakout performance for him because he's a star. Uh, he's a fantastic AD carry. Really, really showed it on the international stage. And I really hope that this is, you know, a guy who gets to go to Worlds this year as well. Uh, the other last player on BLG here is On. This guy really overperformed. He looked like a star. Um, He's the biggest shock for me. Like, I know Elk, I said, is the breakout player because he just played at such a high level. Uh, On, though, is the biggest, um, you know, exceeder of expectations for this team as far as I'm concerned. I was incredibly impressed with On's play. I thought that he made a lot of lot of incredible Blitzcrank hooks, actually, that those games that he played on Blitz were pretty exciting. Uh, he outperformed Delight. He outperformed Caria. He looked awesome all tournament. He had a couple of good moments against... JDG as well, and yeah, I was just thoroughly impressed by him. I, I didn't think that he really had it in him, and I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of where BLG goes from here. Uh, next up, we're going to do a pretty extended segment on JDG. All right, and now on to JDG. So JDG, MSI champions. Very, very exciting team to see win. Uh, one of the few successful super teams in League of Legends history. And one of the best MSI runs ever. Um, I would say the only other run that I think was on the same kind of level of dominance was the 2018 uh, RNG team. Like, that's the only other team that really stuck out to me as completely dominating the field, looking like the clear best team, you know, superstars in most positions. Um, this JDG looks incredible. Uh, and I'm not going to get too, too crazy on these guys because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over kind of all the best performers in the tournament with a little more stats this time. And I'm also going to do, you know, some legacy pieces on these players in a little bit as well. But Overall, really great tournament from the champions here. So, starting the top lane, 369 had some wicked performances as a weak side tank player. Uh, he really struggled in lane, but that was mostly because he was kind of just left to fend for himself and spent a lot of time, you know, in these matchups where he's got this tank Scion versus a Gwen and getting proxy farmed. Um, 
versus a Jace, dealing with the range, right? Like he was basically just playing tanks the whole time because he was on ultra weak side duty. Um, he really played a lot like Let Me in the 2018 RNG team. And really just like one of the better weak side top laner performances that we've seen. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit disappointing just because you didn't get to see 369 really bring out the carries. But, you know, in a short tournament like this, sometimes you just don't get to do it. Ultimately, I think that he really did his job at a super high level. So it was a good tournament for him. Nothing to write home about because he, again, he was just playing weak side the whole time. So he didn't really get to show, you know, all the things that he can do. But at the end of the day, he's probably the best two-way top laner, like weak side, strong side top laner in the world. Uh, he can play pretty much everything. He's got a huge champion pool. Uh, really just showed how good of a weak side player he can be. Uh, where they have, you know, such a strong bottom lane and mid laner at this point, right, with this particular lineup, I think we're probably going to see a lot of 369 on tanks this season, which is, you know, a little bit disappointing if you watched his performances last year as, like, the superstar carry top laner. But it is what it is, uh, you know, probably going to get a little bit more hardware this year than he did in previous seasons, so I'd say it's probably going to be worth it for him. Uh, on to Kanavi, you know, great tournament for Kanavi. Uh, really, really dominated the jungle as far as carry performances. Didn't die very much, did tons and tons of damage, uh, made a lot of great plays. I think that he did better at MSI than he did, uh, you know, in the LPL. In the LPL, he was one of the best junglers in the league, but I felt like he didn't seem super on the same page with everybody else. But at Worlds, or sorry, at MSI here, uh, you know, he really did seem to be on the same page with his teammates. He had a great performance and probably the best jungler of the tournament. Uh, next up was Knight. Knight, Knight has arrived. <laughs> uh, you know, it's great to see this guy finally get that big official international win. I mean, he did win the midseason cup a couple of years ago, which was, you know, in my eyes, that's a pretty legit tournament, but most people don't count it, so we won't count it either here. But, you know, it's exciting to see this guy finally get some official major hardware. And finals MVP, which was well-deserved. He was, you know, arguably the best player at the tournament. Uh, you know, him and Ruler were probably the two contenders for the best player at the tournament. Uh, I just thought the night was really special here. He finally got to showcase to the world how incredible he is. Obviously, since he debuted in 2018... Everybody who's in the know has thought Knight was an incredible, incredible talent, super legit player, uh, world-class in every way, um, you know, actual elite carry player. And uh, it's, it's good to see him finally, you know, get what he deserves. I've, I've kind of considered Knight and Chovy to be kind of in the same boat for the longest time. Uh, both debuted in 2018. Uh, both of them were immediate superstars, arguably the best mid laners in the world already. And have both really dominated their respective regions the whole time, but never really had the trophies to show for it. No international results, uh, very few domestic titles relative to, you know, players that were worse than them. So it's exciting to see, you know, Knight kind of be the first of those two to actually grab an international trophy. He had an awesome tournament. I think the finals MVP was well-deserved. He totally dominated Yagao in every matchup massively outclassed him and Yagao has kind of been like a tricky rival for Knight he's got the better of him a lot of times despite being you know 
quite a bit weaker player overall. Like, I think the gap between Knight and Yagao is quite large, but for some reason, Yagao has always been kind of his kryptonite. So it's nice for Knight to finally get over some of his demons and get a big win over his rival there. Um, ultimately, you know, it, it's exciting to see a guy this good who plays the most important position finally get his win. Uh, it's, it's exciting for the LPL to finally have that, like, hardcore carry mid laner be the champion of MSI. Um, you know, previously, Xiaohu was not really that kind of, like, alpha carry mid lane player. Uh, obviously, Cry is probably, like, the crying is probably the worst player to win MSI, to be honest. <laughs> that guy was not, not super good. Um... Knight is kind of, he's just a different player, right? He's the two-time LPL MVP at this point. Uh, he's like a real proper superstar. And I think that this guy is just going to, he's going to blow things up, right? It, he's finally arrived. Welcome to, you know, ultra superstardom here. He's already always been a superstar within the LPL. But finally, I think that he's actually going to get the respect that he deserves on the international stage. I know that a lot of fans kind of memed him last year for dropping out of Worlds despite him playing at an incredibly high level anyways. Like, Knight was... Go look at the stats. Knight, Knight was a great performer at Worlds last year, but his team went on in groups. And Knight's been a great performer at every tournament he's been in. Uh, sometimes you just don't get to control the results. It is what it is. But Knight, fantastic performer, fantastic finals MVP, super exciting for this guy. Next up, we had Ruler. Uh, he was my pick for finals MVP. Like, that's who I expected to win it before the finals happened. I mean, obviously, during the finals, I thought that Knight probably deserved it. But um, Ruler was the guy that I, going in, I was like, oh, okay, Ruler's just going to crap on the bottom lane here, uh, dominate team fights, get a million kills, and probably be the finals MVP. And I wasn't super far from being correct. Uh, he was number one in his role in KDA, gold difference at 10, CS differential at 10, number two in damage per minute, number three in damage share. So he had quite a few stats that rolled his way. Ruler, at this point in time, uh, I don't he might even be better than he was last year, which is crazy because he was probably the best AD carry in the world last year, him or Viper. Uh, this season, you know, I think that he's clear cut the best AD carry in the world right now. I, he's, he's kind of like the ideal AD carry, like, He's an incredible team fighter. He's incredibly or he's incredibly consistent. He doesn't die. He never gives up like stupid deaths. He's always responsible with his gold. If you put resources in him, he will dominate. He's very very strong in lane, but he doesn't need to snowball lane in order to be successful. He's a super super good team fighter. Like he every single item that you'd want to put on your wish list for like how do I make the perfect AD carry? Like Ruler really just has all of it at this point. He's the whole package. Uh you know, it's it's kind of crazy to think that a guy who won a world championship MVP five years ago is only in his prime now, but that seems to be it. I mean, the last two years, Ruler has just hit a different level, and he, he's going to start, he's very quickly, he's going to start getting himself in that conversation of, is this guy just the best AD carry ever? Uh, I don't know if he's quite there yet, but he's really starting to get close you know he's sniffing that title of the best AD carry of all time uh, the resume is getting pretty stacked we're going to see what the rest of this year looks like but I mean as far as a play style though I, I'm not really sure what else you could ask for uh, next up is missing uh, you know missing 
he belongs on this team. That's the biggest thing that I can say, right? He belongs on this team. I think that he's a great support player. Um, he works with his team extremely well. He's brought out a different type of ruler and ruler's aggression, right? Um, is interesting because he was more of a roaming type player a couple of years ago. And now missing is like, nope, we're going to become the lane kingdom, me and ruler all the way. Funnel some resources in us. Let's go. Uh, it, which is really different type of player because he used to be a roamer and now he's like a lane first kind of guy. Which is, a, it's an interesting change. I think that's just what happens when you get a proper superstar to carry to play alongside. I mean, I realize he used to play with Elk, but Elk was a rookie when he started playing with him. So it's a little different. Uh, missing is, he's, he's a great support player. I think they did a really good tournament. Um, the, the problem with him is that he is the lowest guy on this team and his lane partner is arguably the best player in the world. And then the mid laners are arguably the best player in the world. And the top laners are arguably the best top in the world. And the junglers arguably the best jungler in the world. So like there's a certain point where a lot of the credits already used up. So missing doesn't super get his flowers, but ultimately he's a really good support player. He showed that last year when he played in the lane with a not so good AD carry and hope and really playing with ruler, I think has just completely unlocked this guy. He's had a great tournament. He had a great um, like LPL run as well. Uh, the sky's kind of the limit for these guys. I think that missing is a very good support player and definitely deserves to be on this roster, like included in the definition of a super team. He's very much part of that. It's not that it's four superstars and him along for the ride. Uh, he's very much a contributor to this team. I think that he's a really good player and he's having a really good, he had a really good tournament. Ultimately, this team, you know, I think they're the kind of the team that everybody was expecting to be. I mean, when this roster was announced over the off season, I was kind of thinking, oh, oh, this team might just, they might just run the world. They might just beat everybody and go down as the best team ever. And you know what? It's kind of looking like they will, right? The, the hard part with super teams, whenever you look at them, it's just, oh, well, they'd be able to get the style down. But I mean, 369's transitioned into being more of a top, like on a weak side top laner. Kanavi's kind of slowed down on the carrying. He's still a carry jungler at heart. Um, he still has those games sometimes, but he's become more of a supportive jungler. And they've really let Knight and Ruler take over the team, which would, like, mid and 80 carry were the weak spots of this team last year. But this Jingdong Gaming team, like, they've... They've taken all the strengths that they had last year, where they were, you know, this, this powerhouse, team-fighting, like... We we're never out of a game. We can team fight our way out of anything. They've taken all of that like team fight power and they've put it together with cool. And now we have the best laners in the world. Now, not only are we the best team fighting team, but we've got the best pound for pound players. We've got the, the deepest roster we have. They replaced the two weakest positions. I mean, Yagao was not super weak, but he was definitely, you know, not like the god of mid lane or anything, and they've replaced him with the god of mid lane. They've replaced him with Knight. They they took a guy who, you know, like the weak link of the team would have been AD carry in mid, and they replaced their mid laner with a two-time league MVP in Knight, who is, in my opinion, the most talented Chinese mid laner ever to play the game. And they took Hope, who was easily the weakest player on the roster, and they replaced him with the the, you know, probably the best AD carry in the world 
uh, who was the reigning LCK MVP, who was the only LCK MVP ever to be an AD carry. So they took the two weak links of their team and they added two league MVPs to their roster. Just slotted them in there. They've retained all the strengths. They've retained none of the weaknesses. Uh, this team, you know, it took them a little bit to build their cohesion at the start of the season. But already, I mean, they all seem to be on the same page. They're so much more talented than everybody. They've got, you know, people competing for the best player in the world for each of their positions. It's going to be really hard to stop these these guys. They're going to be able to go as far as they want to. Uh, the only thing that can really slow this team down is probably just if they just lack the, you know, the cohesion, if they start infighting. And that's not, you know, a, a zero possibility. I mean, most super teams, the biggest issues are really just how do we divide the resources? What if 369 just gets tired of playing Scion every game? Right? Um, ultimately, though, it as long as the coaching staff can kind of keep the egos in line, you know, Ruler's been able to play weak side in his career before. Maybe they can switch it up a little bit just so that not everybody, so that everybody kind of gets a chance at the ball. But that's the only thing that can stop this team. You know, they're so talented. They seem to be on the same page. I don't think that there's going to be any like shocking change in their ability here. Uh, it's really just as long as everybody can keep their egos in check, this team, you know, they could go down as one of the best teams of all time, or maybe they could just be the best team of all time. Like I would not be surprised to see this team, you know, win the LPL again and just go into worlds heavily favored and, you know, take home the world title as well. And the sky is absolutely the limits for these guys. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see this type of team. Now let's get into the, all pro section of MSI. So I just did a couple of like little like player of the tournament awards. Some of them might be a little bit of a surprise. Some of them might not. We'll see how it goes. Um, we're going to start in the top lane. Uh, my top laner of the tournament was Bin. You know, I think a lot of people probably would agree with that. He, I always lean more towards the carry top lane players. So even though I really value what 369 is doing for this team, uh, if you play Scion every game and you get dominated in lane and, you know, you're a great tank player and you do these team fights, that's really cool. But at the end of the day, I kind of feel like the carry players bringing a little bit more to the table in that case. So uh, my player of, like, my top laner of the tournament was Bin. He you know, dominated in the bracket stage, see a 5.9 CS differential at 10 minutes, 103 gold differential at 10 minutes, uh, had the most kills of any top laner, had the highest damage of any top laner. I mean, he, he just, he dominated. He carried really hard. He had a couple of, you know, poor performances, but at the end of the day, he played two best of fives against 369, a best of five against Zayas, and, you know, played against, Dorn and Broken Blade. I mean, those guys aren't special, but... Like, he he played all the best top laners of the tournament. And he led them all in damage, and he had the, by far the best landing stats. So, he just looked strong throughout the whole tournament. He was definitely a big part of BLG making that lower bracket run. Um, you know, he had good performances in the finals as well. I mean, he couldn't get a whole lot rolling. A lot of, a lot of what he tried to do just got shut down, but... I mean, he had no issues with 369 in lane at any point. I, I felt like Bin really dominated the matchup in the finals. 
he was one of the bright spots for the team. And, you know, as much as I criticize him as being kind of a 50-50 player, I mean, this guy's just the shy. He's just Chinese the shy, right? He's got the same weaknesses, the same strengths. Uh, you know, if you play that aggressively, sometimes you're going to look super dumb. But if it goes well, you dominate the lane, kill everybody, get pentakills and stuff and win games. Like, it's it, it's it's a, an intense play style. But if you have super... 10 out of 10 mechanics like this. That's just what happens, right? And Ben is a crazy, crazy aggressive player. And yeah, he falls on his face sometimes, but this tournament, he didn't fall on his face that often. And he dominated lane, did a ton of damage, was a great carry player, got tons of kills, made a huge volume of plays for his team. He was, for me, I think he was the best performing top laner at this tournament. Uh, second best top laner, I actually had a Zayus. Uh, for similar reasons, Zayus actually had the second best laning stats pretty handily like really like Zayus and Bin had way better laning stats than anybody else uh, Zayus definitely held his own in the matchup you know against BLG and against JDG where he battled 369 um, I thought Zayus was a bright spot for T1 they he didn't really have the same kind of choke that he did in the LCK finals or the MSI finals last year I thought Zayus actually looked pretty good at this tournament uh, you know, he's still not how he looks in regular season in the LCK, but he had a, he had a really strong tournament. I, I don't think that he can, you know, be as disappointed with this performance as he may be with, you know, the previous performances that he had. Uh, third team, top lane, uh, yeah, still on 369, best tank player at the tournament, best weak side player at the tournament. Uh, he had a couple of moments, highest KDA of all top laners. His landing stats were abysmal, but basically it's because he spent the entire tournament just playing against Bin and 369 or Bin and Zayus. So that's not super surprising. But, you know, didn't die very much. Made the plays that he needed to, did his job. Not a whole lot else to look at. It's not even really that 369 had a great tournament, so much as let's be real, none of the Western top laners were good and your other competitors Doran. Next up was Jungle. Uh, my jungler of the tournament was Kanavi. All right, and now we're on to the MSI awards. You know, just my own personal awards, who I thought were the best performers in each of their role. And, you know, unsurprisingly, going to see a lot of JDG players on this team because, you know, they won the most games. But... First up here, uh, in top lane, my top laner of the tournament was Bin. I thought that Bin was the best performing top laner in the bracket stage pretty easily. Uh, you know, he had the best carry performances, led all top laners in CS deferential at 10 minutes. Well, except for Chasey, but Chasey played like six games and lost them all, so that doesn't really count. But, you know, 5.9 CS differential at 10 minutes, 103 gold differential at 10 minutes, highest damage per minute by far of any top laner, had the highest gold percentage of any top laner, had the most kills of any top laner. I mean, he just had a, he had a great tournament. Been at a great tournament. He was the most dominant top, uh, super strong side top. Ultimately, you know, where I value players like 369 at the end of the day, if you're going to play a Scion top and lose lane, and the other guy is going to play Gwen and get 50 kills, I'm probably going to credit the guy who gets 50 kills. Just like, you know, in basketball, if one guy scores a ton of points and the other guy, you know, kind of plays 
defense and score some points. I mean, a lot of the time, like it's the guy who scores 40 points just looks better. It is what it is, right? So I felt that Ben just, you know, he, he was the best performing top laner at the tournament, in my opinion. He really dominated the landing phase. He did obviously have a couple of games where he looked hilarious because he's so aggressive that he's suiciding when he proxies between two towers and tries to duel three people by himself. But that that's the nature of the style. It's the same thing that, you know, the shy dealt with for most of his career. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Um, but if you're the most skilled swordsman, you know, you win more than you lose in those cases. Ben's a big part of why this team made the finals. Uh, his strength in lane was a huge win condition for this team. It gave them edges in tons of matchups. Uh, his ability to side lane and, you know, just deal with other tops who are more weak side players like Doran and 369 gave BLG, you know, a way into a lot of these games. You know, I think it made a huge difference. So, my top laner in the tournament was Ben. Now on to jungle, we have Kanavi. Kanavi, uh, you know, among all junglers, number one in KDA, number one in damage per minute. Just a huge, huge part of a very dominant team. Alongside, you know, he had a 60% first blood rate. He performed very well against Owner and Shun. Uh, like, he had, a, he had a great tournament. Uh I don't think that this was, you know, a crazy, crazy performance for Kanavi. But I don't really feel that any of the other junglers also, you know, super stuck out. I think a lot of them had good performances. I think Shun had a good performance. Owner had good performances. Yike, Peanut. Uh, a lot of junglers had good performances. Uh, El Yoya, in his six defeats, you know, played really well. But he lost every single game. Right? At the end of the day, you know, Kanavi was a big part of... JDG really just controlling this tournament. And I think he should be rewarded for that, right? Like, ultimately, uh, he was a big contributor. He did more damage than any other jungler. And it, it shows. I think I think he just controlled most of his matchups. He didn't really have any bad games. And he was just strong throughout the whole event. Next up in mid lane is Knight. You know, the finals MVP. Right. He was number one in KDA and number one in damage per minute. Now, this is actually closer than you might expect. Um, you know, I know that Chovy's team placed in fourth, but actually these two performed at a pretty comparable level. Uh, like, Chovy was second in KDA, number one in gold difference at 10, number one CS difference at 10, number two damage, number one damage percentage, number one damage percentage post-15, like, these guys were actually really level. Um, I give the edge tonight. But I think these guys are just the two best mid laners of the last five years, honestly. Like, they're both so unbelievably good. Uh, you know, Knight's team won. Jovi's team didn't. Pretty much where it ends. But um, this woman's closer than you might expect. This was probably... It's a weird thing to think it was that close, but... The both these two were basically number one and number two in almost every single stat, um, but it was definitely it was still night though. I mean, it was just night. He was the best performer, but I did want to give the shout out to Chovy because I felt like, you know, people are gonna look back on this, you know, with all the choky memes and think this isn't close. Like Cho Chovy was easily the second best mid laner at this tournament. He was right behind Knight, but I think that Knight was on 
more of like a historic level. Like, you know, if, if, if Knight probably had the best mid lane performance that we've had at MSI, to be quite frank, and Chovy might have had the second best mid lane performance we've ever had at MSI. Like, it was way up there. He had a great tournament. Um, it's a shame the way that it ended, but he had a great tournament. Um, but yeah, definitely still Knight, though. Like, Knight almost had a 7 KDA to 6.9. Great laning, great team fighting, uh, everything you can want, and the finals MVP. Next up was Ruler for 480 carry. Again, another pretty close one. I think that Elk was right there with him. But ultimately, you know, Ruler was number one in KDA, number one in gold differential at 10 minutes, number two in damage per minute, number three in damage share. Uh, Ruler was just everything you wanted in AD carry. He's safe. He doesn't die stupidly. He never, he never is reckless with the resources that you give him. Uh, his laning phase was very strong, very few issues in lane in general. His team fighting was excellent. Right, um, he, he just kind of did everything that you could want. On a team full of superstars, it's kind of difficult to have one guy carry the damage share too, too much. But, you know, Ruler was a huge win condition for this team. And he, he had the highest earned gold per minute at the tournament. Just really, really strong player. He was by far the best laner, too. Like, Ruler just, he dealt with all of the other elite bottom lanes with almost no issue. And he, he just looked amazing throughout the whole tournament. He, the whole, he had the highest KDA of anybody here with 8.4. He had almost double the KDA of Elk and Pays who were next. Uh, really just everything about Ruler's performance was special. And he's probably, you know, my runner-up for player of the tournament. Uh, it'd be, you know, probably Knight and then Ruler for one and two as far as who had the best performance of the whole event. I think Ruler was right there. You know, again, though, I shout out to Pay or sorry to Elk. Similarly with Chovy, like I felt like even though his team didn't win, he was right there with a super, super high level player. Uh, and I think that it, you know, it should be commended, right? Like the reason that Ruler was number two in damage per minute is because Elk was number one. He put up crazy damage numbers. Uh, Elk was an extreme hard carry for his team, uh, had the highest damage percentage of any AD carry at the tournament, and, you know, pretty good laning stats, excellent team fighting. He wasn't as safe as Ruler, but really, really put his carry pants on. So, you know, solid runner-up in Elk. And finally, at support, um, you know, my support of the tournament is on. Uh, I felt like this guy just really shocked the world this tournament. Um, it's not that he was a bad support. It's just that, you know, he's been relatively unsuccessful compared to the other support players this tournament. I mean, you look at, like, Hillisong and Mickey X are the two, you know, arguably the two greatest European supports. Carry uh, is a historic legend, one of the best supports of all time. Uh, missing was a far more successful support within the LPL. Uh, Delight has been a great performer in the LCK, I mean, more recently, right? So really for On, this was a huge, huge moment where, I mean, he got to outperform really all of these guys. And, and he played against most of them, right? So 
I felt like On outperformed Caria uh, when they matched up. I feel like he outperformed Delight. I even felt like he was very competitive with Missing for most of the matchups. I think that he outperformed him a little bit in some of the matchups too. He was just a big surprise. He, he's somebody that I never expected to be such a strong performer at the tournament. Um, you know, his laning stats were very strong. He had a couple of awesome games. The, the Blitzcrank game against uh, T1 was particularly memorable. I thought that was an incredible performance. I was very excited to see him just kind of perform at a high level mechanically like that. Uh, he had the most kills by far uh, among any supports. I mean, he, he had as many as like the next two guys combined. 24 kills in 21 games, which not like support kills are the biggest metric, but it is something that's kind of fun. Uh, he had the highest kill participation among any of the support players as well. Second and first blood percentage. Landing stats were strong. Um, just really, really good performance from him. Uh, it, it's kind of a surprise, you know. I, you know, I thought maybe I'd look at it and say, oh, maybe Caria had a better performance than I thought he did. Maybe Delight, maybe Missing. But I, I do feel like it was on. I think that he was not by far the best support performance of the tournament, but I think that he was kind of the clear best one. It's not like he was leaps and bounds better, but I felt like it was just hard to make an argument for anybody else actually outperforming him. Uh, you know, Missing had a great tournament. Delight had a great tournament. Caria had a great tournament for anybody not named Caria, but by his own expectations, quite disappointing. Um, but I, I think, you know, with On, I was just, I was surprised by how, how successful he really was. That bottom lane with him and Elk was really, really strong. Uh, they, you know, one of the best bottom lanes of the tournament, which I wouldn't really have expected going into it, to be perfectly honest. I kind of thought that On was going to be one of the weaker links for this team, but really, you know, surprised me. Probably, I mean, seems to have surprised a lot of people. Uh, so really great performance by him, and he would be my, you know, winner for the best support player at the tournament. All right, uh, that wraps up my, you know, all MSI awards and kind of my MSI post-mortem on how I felt about the performances of the teams, uh, how they looked, and a little bit of stuff, you know, for going forward. I will look into doing a legacy piece, you know, a Lex Talk legacy for the JDG members, where their legacies are at uh, now and going forward, but that'll be a different episode. <laughs>